Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Talk Recorded live.
Well, welcome, Perry McNeil. Hello. How are you, sir? Doing good, sir. How about yourself? Excellent. Well, now that you're on, uh, much better. Uh, this is uh, the the king of Baja, uh, Perry McNeil, on uh, a special on Off Road Live uh, this Friday morning. Uh, now, Perry, it's just a couple of days before Christmas, and uh, you know the holidays are well underway. Uh, do you have your uh, your lights on your house? Uh, partially. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it yeah, that every yeah. year it's a, it takes a little longer for us to get those things up? Yeah, that is so true. I mean, before day after Thanksgiving, man, uh, you, you bring out the lights, and you know, the day after Black Friday, uh, you bring out the lights and your Christmas tree and the whole works. And man, this time, I mean, half time we're like you say, it, just, it gets later and later each year. Of course, you know, <laughs> it's gone, and and the, you know the the Christmas spirit's not not quite there. At least you do a lot for the kids, even though for your don't really believe in Santa Claus, you know. But you know, it, it's it's all about the kids. I mean, yeah. um, <clears throat> I mean, if it wasn't for the kids, well, would we even have a Christmas tree? I wouldn't. I'm sure not for me and my wife. <laughs> Why? You know, just uh, and we're usually gone for Christmas anyway to one of the kids' houses, or, you know, homes or something. So we don't uh, necessarily spend Christmas here every year anyway, you know. So if we didn't, uh, if we weren't going to spend Christmas here, and there's just the two of us and and yeah, we uh, but we still have one one kid at home, and so we still semi have a Christmas tree here and stuff, you know. But uh, yes, sir. Nothing like before, you know, where there's you know, ten thousand presents under the tree, and you're just uh, out buying bicycles. That, that was that was half the fun of Christmas, just seeing the 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 face on the kids when they walk in and see their brand new bicycle or the new wagon or they do whatever, you know. And then half the time they end up playing for two hours with the damn cardboard boxes at the bike came in or something, you know, forget the bike, but then make houses or forts out of the, the freaking cardboard boxes half the time. And and uh, that was their, their Christmas was more than what came in the box, you know, but. Uh, that is so true. Now, uh, offer, well, out, outdoor oriented families, I know here in Southern California in particular, but in the Southwest in general, uh, we like getting out and, you know, getting out out of doors uh, during the holidays and now when it's a, a really long Indian summer here in the Southwest, it'll be cold, it'll be cool, but it'll be dry. But uh, in the past couple of days out here, we've had uh, an unusual, at least for the past couple of years, uh, uh, so, some uh, some wet weather. Um, when you head out to the dunes or you go out to uh, the well or if you go out to uh, Superstition or wherever, uh, for for your family's recreation, um, you don't camp, do you? But what you do is you you take a trailer out in an RV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, most people are you actually go out there and and uh, do the tent, the whole tent stuff, you know. But then uh, that's that's suffering. It's cold at night. And <laughs> and, uh, right. And uh, you know you're on hard ground and stuff. That's I'm, I'm way past the, the scout days, you know, where we do have the scouts. <laughs> no others. I was a scoutmaster for 16 years, so 16 years I sat, I slept on those hard grounds out there as, a, as an older person, you know, forget the, when I was, was a real scout, you know, but... And cold. For 16 years here in San Diego, and it was, uh, it was, it was hard on me, you know. Yeah, it's, the, not, the hard, it's not just the hard ground. I mean, it gets cold at night. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Now, if you have the proper equipment, you're okay. You got a you know super tent. You got a you know you got a good uh, properly outfitted uh, uh, sleeping bag. It it you know when it's dry, it it's not an issue. You know the challenge is is when everything gets wet. Oh yeah, and they've done that a couple of times. Well, that's terrible. It's just uh, fun to just get up and make a fire and and hope it doesn't rain on you while you're sitting there drying the stuff out. You know, but they're waiting till the next day to sun you know, put out the sun and and dry this, everything out, and you think you're well prepared, you know, that the tent's going to hold out the water, but it doesn't do it do the job sometimes, you know. Hey, Perry, have uh, you have you ever been camping and you've been in a tent that's, you know, not the best tent in the world? You know, it's a fine dry weather tent, but, it, you know, in the rains it collapses and then it covers you with water and, you know, middle of the night it's lightning and all that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, I say it's, we've been there done that. You know, we finally just have to get out, get out and, but it'll make a, you know, have your lean to of some sort and make the old fire in there and, and spend the rest of the night in your, just warmed up by the fire because everything you have is all wet, you know. We did that in a scout hike one time. I was worried I was going to lose some kids through, you know, hyperthermia uh, or something, you know, because we were all so freaking cold. and just uh, had a big old bonfire there at the night, you know, until we, you know, the sun came up, you know, but it was, it was a terrible, terrible night. It was just the point of, of uh, getting up and packing up and going going home with all the yeah you want to get in the truck and up. just head home yeah and go get some exactly. donuts <laughs> there and the hot chocolate yeah, there you go right now um, now I got to tell you Perry I think your experience is is not unique for the West or for the Southwest but it certainly is uh, I think it's a, a touch more adventurous than a lot of desert racing families out there. Um, and the reason why I say that is because your activities were associated with scouting. You're right. Uh-huh. Now you yeah. said you were you were a scout leader for 16 years. Right. Uh huh. Where? Wh- what location was your uh, troop? Uh, right here in San Diego, in the Lemon Grove area. Lemon Grove. Uh, we had like 16 scouts here most of the time. Or those, you know, 10 to 10, well. You know, fifteen scouts for most of the most of that time. But do you recall? Day, they, do you recall what district your your troop was under? Uh, three fifty two, three five two. Okay, that was the number. But do you remember the district name? Oh, I don't. I don't. Um, dang, I don't know. San Diego, I guess. I'm not sure what. what does uh, Does Aqueous sound? No. No. Yeah, we were in the Aqueous district. Um, okay. Yeah, I think that was. Uh, uh, south part of San Diego, and you guys were probably like uh, mid part because you're in Lemon Grove. Um, right. What what areas did you usually take your troop out to to the outdoors? Well, back in the day, um, they allowed the scouts to go south of the border. At the time, pretty much lived down there off road racing and stuff. And I, man, I took them to all the the awesome places down at Mike Sky Ranch. Was one trip. Another trip was down to Camelou on that abandoned ship that's out there that's out in the water, about 100 yards out in the water. We went down there and spent the night there and, and then explored that ship all day long. And, and uh, we always take uh, presents down to the orphanages down there, take a bunch of stuff and clothes and presents and stuff for the orphanages and stuff down there. Well, and, I'll tell you uh, what, Perry. You know, when I hear some of the stories that you tell of your your scouting leadership, I wish I was in your troop. <laughs> because the places that we went to weren't all that uh, adventurous. We did also go south of the border, though I do have to admit, 
uh, many a time our uh, our scout leader would be fast asleep um, middle of the night when when we were just getting going, <laughs> and and many a time it was after picking up some fireworks. Right, right, right. And uh, there was one time uh, we were at what well, well, we called Clam Beach, but everybody knows it now as um, just a little south of uh, La Mission. Uh, on that long stretch of beach uh, before La Salina, right? Yep, uh, right where the La, in between where the La Mission uh, estuary empties into the Pacific Ocean, and then the, your next uh, landmark is uh, uh, La Salina, that man-made uh, marina right there. We called it Clam Beach, and luckily this particular trip, this this particular scout leader myself uh, did not attend. But one of the, uh, and this is just an example of the type of troop that I was involved with, um, uh, and it was it was because of the, the characters who were in our group, and um, uh, I was the leader on, on most of the official functions. But when we went out of, especially out of country, but when we went out of doors, and and it wasn't necessarily, uh, 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 you know, Boy Scouts have lots of competitions, the camperies and all that kind of stuff for skills, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, the the non-associated uh, uh, camping trips. Uh, on one of the trips to Clam Beach, luckily I was not in attendance, so I want to make that official and public. Uh, they set up, a, of course, our, our what we usually would set up as a parachute tent, right? We'd set that all up. Everybody would sleep under the same uh, uh, the same parachute. And um, it, by the way, we were very uh, military oriented because. Uh, our adult leaders were all uh, uh, Navy and Marines. Uh-huh. And uh, on one particular trip, one of the scout leaders was asleep, and uh, they set off uh, uh, fireworks, and then one of the wise guys thought throwing in a propane bottle was a good idea into, oh, the, fire, into the fire. <laughs> Uh, what ultimately occurred is a piece of shrapnel went into one of the kid's shoulders, and he had to be transported back to San Diego. Uh-huh. So th- that was a very common uh, uh, experience on uh, on our trips, uh, non uh, non official scout related. We, you know, when we just went camping. Another one of the trips was that we canoed, <laughs> and I know the Baja racing crowd is just. You know, oh, you went on a canoe. Oh, okay. Because, you know, you guys are all motorboat guys and all that kind of stuff and speedboats, right? Uh, the expensive speedboats, especially the uh, uh, well-heeled crowd. We uh, we canoed from uh, Walter's Camp. Uh, the river rats know all about uh, Walter's Camp. Uh, down to the Imperial Dam. And on one of the oh, – we did two overnights on that trip. And one of the overnights – we uh, pulled up on a, a sandbar in the middle of the Colorado, and then uh, just camped out, built a fire, and all that kind of stuff on the on the sandbar in the middle of the river. Well, uh, of course, uh, Mr. Martin, our uh, vaunted uh, scout leader, was dead asleep middle of the night, and uh, one of the smart Alex threw uh, a handful of forty-five rounds into the fire. Jeez. <laughs> These are the guys that I was dealing with. Uh, that particular trip I was on did not know that uh, this particular individual, who ultimately would go to prison for unrelated matters, um, throws a handful of forty-five 
live 45 uh, rounds into the fire. And uh, we had to, you know, run to the farthest end of the uh, of the sandbar. And, of course, we pile up these uh, uh, aluminum uh, uh, canoes uh, so that we, uh, you know, are trying to protect ourselves, uh, knowing full well that, you know, those, th- those things are going to uh, cut through those uh, uh, no matter how many uh, canoes you got in front of you. They're going to cut through that uh, aluminum like butter, right? Right. And ultimately, over about a five- or ten-minute period, about 15 rounds go off, and luckily none of them caused any harm. Huh. That's crazy. So that, that's... Most, we, most we did her pee in the fire, but they all went my guy's No, know what's was, uh, worse. You're well, in the first, fire or the, or, the, or the bullets? Well, my first uh, uh, scout life was uh, East Coast. And that's where I had that experience where, you know, your tent falls in, you're just covered because it's uh, pouring rain. And then, you, of course, uh, some lightning and stuff. And just like you mentioned, you have to scramble to recover from being completely soaked and everything being soaked uh, to coming out uh, here to the southwest and, and uh, uh, coming across some, uh, how can I put this, some Californians. And, uh, you know, having those, those two experiences, it, you know, and those are the minimum, you know, the, the, the stuff that really got us into trouble, I could tell you off record, you know, off the phone, but, um, uh, now you're, and now I got to tell you, when Perry, when you started talking about your, your scout leadership exploits and you started talking about, uh, your hunting trips, I, uh-huh. I am, you know, just as a long-term you know, never, never die scout. I mean, I just, you know, I just fell over for those. Uh, did you do anything with the scouts in, in, uh, the state of Chihuahua? Yes, we, uh, that's where I'm from is from Chihuahua, Mormon colonies down in, uh, in Chihuahua. And so I got permission to take the, take the scouts down there. There, there were 16. That was the reason I sticks in my mind. We had 16 scouts. There's a lot of, a lot of guys that attend to, you know, there's always a few radicals in there that want to do throw the shells in the in the fire and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> and I was going to take them all uh, rabbit hunting, which we you do at night in the back of uh, your trucks, you know, and then take them duck hunting and so on and so forth. So, in order to do that, the uh, the uh, we had to have everybody in our NRA status uh, certified, and that's like uh, four four hour. Uh, uh, meetings of some sort, and everyone, if they told me if, if there's one person that's not certified, we can't take, we can't shoot any guns down there, you know. So we had to get all 16 guys certified, which is really tough to get all 16 guys to come to all four of those four or five, six hour meetings that we had, you know. And we had, had the uh, NRA person come here to my house, in fact, and, and set up and four different meetings of four hours, I think is what it was. And certify all these 16 kids that were going to go to the, uh, the colonies uh, with us, you know. But we made it. We got everyone certified. Uh, some had to do it on their own time with this guy and so on and so forth. But we got all, all 16 guys certified and and got permission to take guns down into Mexico and ammunition and so on and so forth. And we had a blast. I mean, these, most of these guys had never seen a gun, much less shoot one. And by the time they got done, they were pretty pros, you know, as far as you know, tightening in and, and uh, shooting and stuff. And we had to blast uh, rabbit hunting stuff down there. And um, 
would take all the you know, like 20, 30 rabbits and take them down and swap them for tacos <laughs> at the taco stand. So you know what the people the next day were eating are all jackrabbits, you know. No, Perry, I got to tell you, you you tell that story, and then you've told me some other ones. Uh, and I got to tell you, I, for young men, that is absolutely the best experience to teach responsibility that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah, we were lucky nothing ever. Nobody got shot in the foot, which is yeah, something like that happens. You know? Especially when, he's, when that rabbit's out in front of the, the, the headlights of the vehicle and, and you've got four guns in the back or five guns across the, the cab of the truck and they're all trying to see who can shoot it first and, and reload and all this stuff. And she's always around and they going off in some wrong direction or something. So we're lucky that all 16 kids were able to go out and do their thing and, and none of them got... Uh, None got shot in the foot or nothing. You know, so, it's, it's so the game, the, the only game was rabbit. Then we went goose hunting. It was it was goose. Uh, when the geese were down there, so we went uh, geese hunting uh, a couple of times uh, early in the early mornings when they're still out in the fields, or late at night when they were still still before they fly out. We'd uh, we'd go uh, geese hunting, which is which is awesome, and and there's a lot of ducks down there. So we did some duck hunting during the day, so daytime also. That but yeah, is they awesome. had, had a blast. No, none of them had ever been on a horse. A horse, but never seen a horse. Probably, you know, up front, up close, you know. And we had, they all ended up, and we uh, took a little horseback ride for up to a uh, uh, like a cabin up in the hills. It was, uh, they had like uh, ten horses for us only. Only so you know, the other guys had to ride you know, on the back of the other guys or something. You know, but uh, now would up, you do uh, that? Would you do that off season? Or would you do the scouting stuff even during uh, racing season? Uh, oh yeah, it's yeah, it's well, my racing season. Once it starts, it never stops. It's every other weekend you're racing or pre-running. Just about you know, I, I was racing even back in the, the, the that day. I, I was racing at least fifteen, ten to fifteen races a year. Hey Perry, scouting. so you were doing you were doing a full race schedule, and you were a scout leader. Yeah, for like wow. fifteen years, you know. That's amazing. But. And I would take the kids on pre-runs with me, the ones that could. I'd take them. Uh, it, was, it was awesome because I could take them south of the border back then. Now they don't allow that anymore. But uh, yeah, most most of my uh, most of our other than we took the Gold Rush uh, trek up up north, China China camp and all that stuff up there. Once which was, was scouts, but most of anything that we did was in Baja. That's where I. My roots are in Baja, so I, and I knew where Mike Sky Ranch was, and I took them up there. And the, like to say, the abandoned ship, and um, and um, I even spent a night at my shop one time in, in, in Tijuana. You know, and then we got up the next early the next morning, and Saturday morning, I had a motor all all set out there to to uh, assemble a Volkswagen motor because the Volkswagen was big time back then. I had a whole Volkswagen motor all washed and, and partially assembled, in fact, you know, and then. Uh, and then we, um, they all watched me throw a, a motor together and let them torque it and so on and so forth, you know. So they know what a torque wrench was, stuff. And, and in about four or five hours, we actually stuck a transmission on the end of that, that motor and started up for the, for the kids. You know, they just said, no way. I mean, they, they watched it to go together and, and I explained to them what combustion chamber was and how the valves open and let the gas in, and then it closes and then it fires and the exhaust opens up. And, you know, they just, they were just, they were just could not believe that what they had just barely assembled. We put a starter on it, 
In fact, uh, the first time we I, I showed just how how we could start without the starter, and we actually started with a ratchet right there on the table, with a ratchet on the front of the motor, and I actually started with a ratchet without and like you'd crank the old vehicles back in the day, and I actually started for them with a with a ratchet, let them know you don't need to start it to start a motor. You know, they don't, you know, they when they get in the car and they turn the key, they don't have no idea what's happening up under that hood as far as the starter and ejectors and the carburetor and yeah, the actual, stuff, you know. the actual mechanicals. But, yeah, and they actually we actually assembled the whole motor and fired it up right there on on the on the table. So we just blew the kids away to see something that they'd really put together, make all that noise, and start up without exhaust system stuff. You know. Hey Perry, fun. listen, I gotta I gotta salute you. I, th- you know, I wish that I had been involved in in uh, that that kind of a troop experience. The, I mean, that's the ultimate. Uh, you know, young person's uh, adventure to to learn all about that stuff and then hands-on uh, to be able to put your life right into uh, those things that you'd want to do. Uh-huh. Just really, I, I, I'm really, I'm super impressed. I mean, uh, now, did you ever take, uh, did you ever take uh, those same young people to, let's say, the, the, the Dash or uh, any of the other desert races that were uh, during the holidays? Yeah, yeah, that uh, that New Year's race that uh, was so awesome. Uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Fud Pucker, and don't say it backwards, you're in trouble. But uh, anyway, he uh, he he put on a race every uh, on the 31st to welcome in the new year. And he got there and he called it the Dunaway Dash. It's only like a uh, oh, hundred hundred mile race, something like that. Uh, it changed a little bit each year, but he would uh, put on this race, and you just uh, it was so short. You go pre-run in an hour. You're done pre-running, so you pre-run it the day before or whatever, and then you signed up and, and right there on the spot that morning, uh, you went and got in line, in line and you dropped the flag and the motorcycle raced early, like six o'clock in the morning, and by ten o'clock they were done. And when the last uh, motorcycle crossed the finish line, or at least at, at, up to a certain time, uh, the deadline was like say ten o'clock. And at ten o'clock on the button, that was the end of the race. So if you made the finish line grave, not that you you were you were taken out of the races when you got to the finish line, even if you left another lap or something. It was a lap race, but then the cars just take off, and when you're all done, you end up uh, get your money, get your trophy, and you go back to your camp. And most and so many of these people were out there with their race cars anyway, mess around in, in the desert, testing and setting them up, and so on and so forth. So. They're already there, so they would take the cars and go race that little FUD race that took um, like a, maybe four hours or something or, uh, to, to run it, and you were done. So by the end of the day, you, you had a pocket full of money and a, a first-place trophy if things went well for you. <laughs> Not always, you know, but uh, and then uh, most of the, like the day after Christmas, a lot of people would spend Christmas out there, but we usually went out there like on 26th of, of uh December and, and were there after the first and they came home and then had a race in uh, in between which was awesome. Now let me let me paint a picture for people, especially the ones that never got to do the dash or never experienced. Um, this is a, a low desert in uh, Imperial County, uh, Plaster City area. Uh, lots of wide open spaces. Great desert racing area. In fact, one of the one of the more uh, challenging uh, race venues, even though 
it's uh, not commonly known as a challenging area. It is challenging because uh, 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 you had, you know, some of the best uh, competitors, you know, good desert racers. They 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 know what they're doing, and then at the same time, this is a straight up desert. There's no uh, there's no messing around with uh, you know chaparral or or mountains or uh, uh, any coastal areas. This is low desert uh, in the um, uh, Salton Trough, you know the big area where uh, uh, all the faults run that uh, uh, abut the uh, uh, Pacific and North American plates. So there's a lot of wide open spaces. And uh, this this event went on for years. It was a great recreational event. A great opportunity to bring families out. Uh, they had a big bonfire uh, the night um, uh, of the uh, of the race. And then uh, the, the one thing that uh, I really miss about uh, that experience, uh, Perry, is that it also gave some really valuable seat time for those uh, people who are interested in keeping their skills. Uh, at the very, you know, on the very top shelf, and uh, it gave you an opportunity to uh, keep your skills fresh. Yeah, and what's really cool about it is that that race more than any other race, because you weren't you weren't uh, you weren't following a, a whole season of racing in a certain entity of some sort. You were just you just you were just you got there and, and you raced, and, and it was a one time one time deal. You there weren't. Uh, running for the points or anything else. You just went out and raced, you know, so it's awesome. So it, it, that made it a, a, a big, a, probably the biggest family affair race of all because uh, you have the whole family out there anyway, you know, with all the quads and three-wheelers and back in the day anyway, and, and messing around with the dune buggies and so on and so forth. So it was a family affair. So I mean, kids everywhere, you know, in the race, you know, and the race course and stuff because it was more than any other race that I've ever seen. Because it was a family affair, the race, you know, see the whole family is already out there. Um, maybe eighty percent of the racers were already there anyway, and then the other twenty percent came from wherever, from Mexico or from wherever, you know, to, to the race and packed up after the race, you know. But probably eighty percent of the people that raced there were were there anyway, and they were there afterwards. So it's a awesome race because it's a family, totally family oriented, and that's one race that I had. If it was a five lap race, I had. I had my I'd stop all five laps and take on take on kids and family and wives and whoever you know which I do anyway all the time when I race you know but uh, no I I also liked it Perry yeah I also liked it because just like you just mentioned there were families from San Felipe from Mexicali from Ensenada from Palm Springs from Phoenix from L A from all over oh yeah 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 it was, it was awesome it was just a, a little bit of a lot of terrain. It had a little bit of sand, and it had a lot of choppy stuff, and it had a lot of, you know, but you had to be on your toes. Uh, it's, like you were saying, it's a cha- it was a challenge because the, the water runs, you know, off the mountain stuff and creates a little, little mini arroyos. And man, you come up at you know 80 miles an hour, all of a sudden you have this ditch that's two feet wide and two feet deep, and man, it'll take your suspension right off your truck if you're not ready for it, you know. And they didn't have GPS back in the day, and or something to tell you, hey, there's there's a there's a gotcha, you know, like on GPS. And now you you set your GPS up before the race, and when you get within a hundred yards of that gotcha, man, there's always things are beeping and and flashing and everything else, letting you know that there's a danger danger ahead of some sort, you know. And uh, we didn't have all that 
back in the day. So bad there's just so many cars that come back without two front wheels or you know, the whole suspension ripped off their vehicles because it's it's a challenge, a real, real challengeable, you know, a challenging course out there. Yeah, you had to pre-run because over uh, the course of twelve months, uh, uh, you would have uh, a Chubasco or uh, you know a thunderstorm uh, happen during the season, and it would completely change uh, some of the uh, 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 the the uh, arroyos and the uh, uh, the water courses uh, in the Plaster City area. Yeah, and it was it was a different course every every year. It's never the same course twice. It's okay. Well, yes, I, I sir. Last year, I'm good to go. Yes, so sir. I find a whole complete uh, either east of Plaster City or or west of Plaster City or someplace, but never never the same race course ever. You know, so you never knew it. You couldn't say, "Well, I, I pre-ran last year. I raced it last year. I, I'm good to go." It was never the same course twice. You know, so you had you had to go pre-run for sure, and and then uh, and hope you remembered all the gotchas because. Uh, like to sometimes you could uh, some of the taller vehicles wouldn't fit another trestles for the for Plaster City little trailer that has out there, so they had to go up over the race race racetrack. But it was it was challenging, it was a lot of fun. It just it's a it's a blast, and the fact that you had your whole, the whole like say the whole family out there uh, watching and participating just made it awesome. You know, a little more family oriented than any other race out there. That we, that we and and Fud and Fud had a passion for the events that he put on. He had a true passion for it. So that when you went out there, it wasn't just another race. I mean, it literally was an invitation, a family invitation to go out and have some racing fun. Yep. Yeah, his heart was into it totally, totally. He was just, uh, never, I never saw anyone with problems about, hey, about you know, this or suing or, or upset because of this or, and, and it was just, it was just, like, it was just, it was just a, uh, just a good old, good old time. And, uh, you know, for for to welcome in the new year, and it just uh, it was all positive. I never, I don't remember. Any, yeah, the guys, you know, wrecked and rolled and so on, so on, which is part of racing, you know. But uh, I never saw a, a, a sore person out there that was upset at Fud because of whatever. It just seemed like it seemed just a he ran it so smooth, and it's kind of a one man team. He only had a few guys helping him, but you know, was, he wasn't out there for the money. Uh, he just out there, just like you say, wholeheartedly. He put on the race, and it was just uh, a fun old time. It was all it was fun. You know, it's too bad that uh, he died at a very, very young age. You know, it's too bad because he was, he was, uh, he was, he made, he made New Year's for everybody out there. He did, and he, and as a matter of fact, uh, his whole series of races were uh, good times. Um, I spent some time with him in South San Diego, where he he lived, and uh, came to know him. Uh, I also came to know. Uh, uh, MDR, and I never got the sense that they were into it as much as Fud was. Yeah, he was in wholeheartedly for sure. He just, uh, just the best, best old guy to and talk to and shoot the bull with. He was just, he was just a, a down, a down home person. Just a awesome, awesome guy to, to just sit there and sit around the campfire the night before the day, day off or whatever. And just shoot the bull. He had so many stories to tell. It was, just, uh, it was awesome. It's that guy out there. Do you ever go out to Fudd's Hill uh, where his uh, ashes were spread? Oh, no. Huh? I've never heard of that. Yeah. I'll, listen, i got to take you out there sometime, Perry. It's out of Plaster City. There's a hill out there where you can see everything. A great uh-huh. vantage point, and that's where they uh, they uh, uh, laid his uh, his ashes out. And it's a, cool. it's a very, very popular uh, meeting location for that neck of the woods. Uh-huh. 
We'll definitely have to show it to you sometime. That's awesome. Um, I didn't know that. So uh, now, were there any holiday events in Mexico? I don't. Rec- I don't remember any racing events in Mexico that were scheduled during the holidays. Um, no, there was um, um, Cole. I think it's called it. There was their first spell, but it just kind of, kind of, um, um, like I can't remember what it was. But right in December, real close to Christmas, and the day after Christmas, seemed like he was, he was. Uh, they were, they had a race a couple of years, but it just interfered too much with, with Christmas time and family time and so on and so forth. That, that didn't work out, you know, for now because that was just a way of strictly go to the races and race, you know, so they tried a couple of times in the holidays, it would work out and it did, it did not, you know, people were, you know, setting up their Christmas trees or having get Christmas and all that stuff or, or barely have got you, through have it. You ever, have you ever been out to Mike Sky Ranch in the holidays? Um, not for Christmas, no, huh? Yeah, either or really? I. I think that's uh, something else I'm going to need to look into. I think, I think Mike's, especially when there's snow up there, that would be quite the place to go to. That'd be, that'd be gorgeous up there. Yeah, we uh, we uh, I used to go to San Felipe like every every year. We'd go up there at least twice a year to San Felipe with our dune buggies and three wheelers back in the day and stuff. We never missed the um, uh, Easter week and uh, <clears throat> and Christmas. Like every other year, we'd go out there for Christmas. And it's, it's awesome, you know. But because uh, it's so dang hot in in uh, in uh, Easter holidays, we're the Easter vacation was so hot down there, but uh, you'd be surprised what how nice it is down there at Christmas time. You don't really want to get in the water. No, you, you, water no, you can't do any water activities. It's it's amazing how fast the Sea of Cortez gets cold. But uh, hey, listen, uh, a cup of hot Joe and uh, a, a pile of fish tacos in San Felipe. <laughs> hell yeah! Oh yeah, for sure. Well, Perry, any other thoughts on on you know what uh, what desert racers do during the holidays? Other than you know you got to take care of your family stuff and you know the whole thing about the tree and the and lights and the rest of it. Um, and of course, you got to everybody has to talk about or remember the dash. I mean, you you can't forget about that. And of course, uh, for you know all the Duners go out to Glamis or uh, Gray's Well. Um, uh, where, where do you usually go? If you're going to do some duning during the holidays, where do you go? Uh, normally I go to Gordon's well. Um, Glamis is kind of all right, but the parking and so forth, it's just, uh, I don't, I've been there a few years and don't really care for it. We end up going across the desert to Glamis as a trek. It's one, at least one day while we're there, we'll, we'll take the trek through all the sand, which is just awesome. You get like 10 vehicles and, and play follow leader and go through all the sand dunes and find somebody that knows their way to Glamis and you end up in Glamis. Uh, there's there's a there's a, I can't remember what they call the the sand highway I guess I think we call it that takes you out to um, Glamis, connects the two highways pretty much, and uh, right along the canal there and you can go that way if you want to but it's so much it's so much more fun to to get uh, eight ten vehicles and play follow leader all the way to Glamis and then come back on sand highway or something you know or whatever you know but it's just just uh, so much fun it's just uh it's uh, you have to be there it's just one of those deals that you just you don't you don't realize what a blast it is and somebody goes off and hits a witch's eye and you have to work on his car and somebody gets stuck in another witch's eye and and uh work on that vehicle and it usually takes a, a couple hours to get there because it's you're having breakdowns and and potty time and so on and so forth but 
it's, it's just so much fun. It's just something that you wish everybody should would be on the one time of the life. We got to take oh, that little track. Oh, for the, for sure, Perry. And and remember those years out there when you you're experiencing uh, you know Southern California is experiencing a, a long Indian summer where it's dry and it's warm. I mean it could be uh, just like uh, uh, just like the spring in uh, San Felipe out in the dunes if if it's the right year. Yeah. Now yeah, this year always. it's not because you know we've got uh, you know we got cold temperatures we've got a lot of moisture rolling through. But those years where there's an extended, you know, Indian summer where it lasts like into mid-January and mid-February, those, boy, those are great travel and recreation years. Oh, yeah. So where you, you, you drive through there, through Gordon's Well or Glamis, and there's just, I mean, it's a mini city out there. There's thousands, I mean, literally thousands of motorhomes and, and rigs and, and the big rigs. I mean, they don't, you know, there are not too many people go out there and, and, and tent their, their weekend. You know, they, they, they're all big fifth wheels and, and toy boxes and, you know, whatever. But uh, it's all their, their, their big expensive toys out there. I mean, there's millions and millions of dollars out there, literally, of, of uh, toys. And uh, it's just crazy. It's a mini city. You can hardly find a place to park, believe it or not. And it's big, vast desert out there uh, where, they, where most people park because you're close to the highway there. There's, uh, I don't know, 10 square miles, and there's hardly a place to, to pull your rig in and park. There's so many people. And then you go by the day afterwards, and you think, "Well, this is just, this is set up for for the whole year. This is where people are." And you go out the the day after, like uh, January the second. Man, there's nothing there. It's so amazing. Was I was I dreaming yesterday when I came here? Or not? <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. There's a mini city out there, and all of a sudden there's there's like two the two motorhomes of people that stay over over. You know, for a, a day or two or whatever, after everybody goes home, they'll stay there for a couple of days. But it's crazy how uh, it changes from one to the other, next, you know. No, it's amazing how fast people get in and how fast people get the hell out. Yeah, yep. exactly. Well, that's the holidays for you. Uh, and, Perry, thanks very much for taking a couple of minutes to uh, uh, talk about, uh, you know, what desert the desert racing community does during the off season. And um, we'll certainly get back to you after the uh, holidays. We want to wish you and yours uh, all the best. Um, and uh, any any last words? Mm, not a whole lot. Other than just Merry Christmas to everybody out there that's listening. And I uh, hope you guys have a, a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. That's right. Uh, happy holidays, uh, King of Baja, Perry McNeil. Thank you very much for being uh, on our show this Friday morning on Off-Road Live. Thanks very much. My pleasure. Thank you for the call. You bet. Bye-bye. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, The king of Baja, Perry McNeil, uh, on our regular feature, the McNeil Race Hour, live every Friday at 9 a.m. here on Off-Road Live. And, of course, uh, we're here with our friends, Ram Trucks, Hard Rock, Marlboro, Budweiser, Red Bull, BajaSafari.com, and TeamValvoline.com. Be sure to tune in tomorrow at 4 p.m. where we get behind the scenes of a Dakar ride-along with uh, yours truly and our group of uh, adventure seekers out in the desert at Superstition tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. 4 
the Baja crew. This is Monster Mike. We'll see you tomorrow. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.